Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to Jesus Christ. Well, Father Daniel is alive and well. I noticed an email went out today. Um, I hate to think of him sitting there <laughs> down Gulf Shores, cranking out emails for the parish. Now, except you can finish with it and then walk out on the beach, and so that's all good. And, uh, so keep them in your prayers as they are. Uh, um, having a well-deserved vacation together as family. So here you are with me. Recently, I was doing a little study of slavery uh, in the Roman Empire. I was doing a chapter in the book I'm writing and uh, had to deal some with slaves and the shame of slavery. But one of the things I learned in looking at it was, uh, I mean, first off, they had a lot of slavery in Rome. It was bunches of slaves. Uh, it was not like American slavery. Uh, it was more like prisoners of war. Uh, most often, and then children and grandchildren were prisoners of war. Uh, but anyway, and, but so it was. Uh, but it, one of the things that interested me was talking about Roman piety. That is, the, their practices, the pagan practices of piety. You had, you know, Zeus and well, that was the Greek one, the Jupiter and all the other kinds of big use that you hear of. Uh, but mostly in the house you had the household gods. And some of the household gods might have been ancestors or something, but you had little small ones, uh, little statues and stuff, and you would have a niche in the house that would be kind of your prayer corner. Uh, yeah, they would do that. Uh, they had the little prayer corner. And uh, the pater familias, uh, the head of the family, was expected uh, eat the morning and evening to offer prayers, and probably incense, uh, before of the household gods. And what interested me was what happens when he leaves. For me and you, oftentimes we think of prayer as portable. Like, if I go, I pray. Well, this was much more local. The household gods belong to this house. And if they're not prayed to, and the incense offered, bad things might happen to, you know, the house, to some of the slaves, to the animals, to whatever else. And so when the paterfamilias left, uh, he, oftentimes the head household slave would be given the duties of making the daily prayers and stuff like that, which struck me as interesting, as, as one who's been left behind and uh, is uh, offering the daily prayers while the master's away in Gulf Shores. <laughs> um, I, I thought about this because I thought it actually said more, of, in some ways, about traditional Orthodox piety. And by that, I mean the, the pra daily practices of our faith. I mean, we're a tremendously psychological people. And so, I mean, it's all portable. As I told someone today, we're turtles. I mean, our house is in, on our back, and everywhere I go, that's my house, and I take my brain with me, and that's where I do my prayers. It's all about the inside of my head. They were not very much like that. Uh, it's much more localized and stuff. And when you dig around Roman things in Britain, uh, <coughs> usually can, if you go digging around a, a spring that's been around a long time, you'll find Roman coins in it. Because uh, they are pretty certain that every time there was a spring, <coughs> there was some kind of little god in there. And so they would, you know, we would say make a wish. Well, 
that's probably like most people who pray to Santa Claus, very similar. Uh, they make a little coin offering there. Um, but it's interesting that in uh, Orthodoxy, which has this Mediterranean context in which uh, the faith is, is, finds its formulation, but primarily from Jewish practice in which there also were daily prayers uh, in the home and um, ways that you did those daily prayers, but uh, also, no doubt, the other uh, practices influenced as well. I was reading an author who lived on the Isle of Patmos for a few years. His wife was Orthodox, but he wasn't. He, he converts. That's what the book's about. But uh, he talked about right, walking up and down the streets. You know, in the morning, we'd be going down the street in Patmos in the little you know, cute little Greek Patmos houses there. And as you walk down the street, the thing that's most striking as you pass the house is that incense you could smell, which meant probably the lady in the house, uh, who is, the husband's probably out fishing already, but she's in there doing her prayers. And I thought to myself, I bet that street didn't smell any different before it was Christian than it does now that it is Christian. It's just the the one to whom the incense is being offered has changed. And I, there was something about all of that to me that struck me, uh, uh, the practicality of it, the hominess of it, the, the locationness. Is that a word, locationness? I don't know, I just made that up. Uh, well, there's a thereness about it, you know, that's concrete. Uh, orthodoxy is like that. I, you know, there's an aspect about this that I think we find so hard because we are such a psychologized people. I, this afternoon, I was invited, I was being interviewed on a Protestant podcast, a couple of Methodist guys up around DC. Apparently their podcast is a big deal, though I've never heard of it. Uh, I haven't heard of most of the Orthodox podcasts, <laughs> so I'm, you know, I might be on the internet, but I'm not paying attention to anybody else on the internet. So they called me and asked me what I do this interview, they program with them, so I'm talking with them. And, uh, I, I got completely knocked off my feet at the beginning of this thing <laughs> because the guy said something. He, he's listened to myself and he's written a book and read blog stuff like that. And he commented that among Orthodox writers that I seemed more Protestant than others. I'm thinking, well, slap my face. I mean, what, a, what a terrible thing to say with me. Um, and, I mean, part of me was gobsmacked. I didn't know quite what to say. Um, I mean, if I had if I'd heard it from another Orthodox, I'd have known what he was up to. That it was just because we do insult each other a lot over things like that, you know. And someone out there questioning my fromah, and uh, <laughs> I assure you, my fromah is very Orthodox. But um, I said, well, what, for instance, would you cite as an example? And he said to me, he said, well, he cited a, something I had done recently in which I had talked about being clothed with the righteousness of Christ in baptism. And he said, Mark Luther could have said that. And I'm thinking, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he got it from the same place I got it. The Bible, maybe not. But I thought I've been thinking about this all afternoon because the problem is when you have a conversation and you have ADD, you have to have it the rest of the day. And so I'm still talking to these guys, you know, kicking myself and saying, oh, I should have said that, I should have said that. But I was thinking to myself about orthodoxy. It's like, we don't just, when Luther said that, 
He's got something kind of off plan in mind. You know, legally, God has covered me and now sees me as covered by the righteousness of Christ. That's the snow-covered dunghill theory, yeah? Uh, that we're a dunghill and the righteousness of Christ has now covered me. Uh, and so that God, instead of seeing my dung, sees the righteousness of Christ. Well, in orthodoxy, we typically are literal when they're metaphorical, and we're metaphorical when they're literal. I mean, for us, yes, I'm not going to even clothe the righteousness of Christ. I mean, first off, we get them up out of the baptism and water, we put a white robe on them. We clothe them. You know? Uh, and then we sing, we clothe them. <laughs> you know? As, we, as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, literally have dressed up in Christ. Hallelujah. I mean, so that we, we're actually doing that. We dress them in the righteousness of, of Christ. But because we, we don't think it's something out yonder in the mind of God, it is literally here. You, we are baptized and put on our Christ suit. His, his righteousness is something that is also concrete. And that's hard for us to comprehend, to say things like that, that it's concrete. Um, thinking about that with regard to the service of Vespers, the actual heart of Vespers we don't think about this, but the actual heart of Vespers is the incense. We, as I say, we don't, because our mind, our chromoma is not been quite uh, orthodoxized yet, uh, we tend to think of other things in the service, you know, like something, you know, like, but it's, the heart of it is the Psalms of the evening, which is in the Lord I call, uh, and the verses that meditate on that, during which the incense is being offered. And we will hear in the Psalms, let thy prayer be set forth in thy sight as incense. We would think of it backwards, in which we would say, let the incense be like my prayer. That's how we think. And we explain, you know, why do we offer incense? And we'll say, well, it kind of represents the prayers. We'll say things like that. Well, actually, no, it's incense. Offered up to God. It's a sacrifice. It's the one Old Testament sacrifice that we can continue to offer as Christians. And in the book of Malachi, it said, the Gentiles will offer incense in my name. We fulfill that prophecy of Malachi. We Gentiles, right in here, still making the daily uh, offering of incense, the morning and the evening sacrifice of incense. We had the whole services of matins and uh, vespers each day both have the offering of incense and that's really the heart of it. The other things are, are good, but it's this offering we do. So there it is, very concrete. You can smell it. You can see this offering before God, like walking down the streets of Patmos. You know, here we are offering this um, and, and, and our prayers. It's interesting that we that as uh, in-flesh human beings, you know, being kind of incarnate as we are, that we actually have to be reminded that we're incarnate. You know, like, what part of having a body don't we understand and why don't we understand that? You know, the older you get, the more you'll know you have a body. Because <laughs> <laughs> it will remind you again and again, you'll drag it, old brother donkey, as St. Francis called it, you have to drag him everywhere you go. But, you know, 
You don't have any other existence. You don't have a non-body uh, presence out there. It's always embodied. Uh, and we don't have to apologize for it. Uh, the angels are called the Asamotos, uh, the, the unbodied, the bodiless ones we call them. I'm sorry, I haven't translated that. I'm out of the Greek. The, the bodiless ones. Well, we feel for them. Uh, but we're the body ones. We're not angels. We're not living in the life of our thoughts. We live in our bodies. And so by the mercy and grace of God, those of us who have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ have gathered together. We've offered the evening sacrifice before God, the incense. And we pray that our prayers will be like that. Interestingly, how does it describe the prayers? The lifting up of my hands. <laughs> there it is. How can you tell he's praying? Well, there it is. He's lifted up his hands to God. Uh, and so we pray. But God give us grace. Uh, we embodied ones uh, to offer the sacrifice of praise. And to remember as well, you know, as we go here and go out into the world, uh, that Christ does he promises to be in us, which is interesting, that's different than just being in us, but in us. But he also promises to meet us, and when he promises to meet us, that's very concrete as well. It said the hungry, the homeless, the sick, suffering, all these things. He promises to meet us strange that the incarnate Christ would promise to meet us in an incarnate manner. So uh, pay attention to the other body people you meet out there if, 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 you're, if you're dealing with Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Is there a, a thing tonight of some sort? Anything? There's no. That's what's it. Yeah, I'm just doing what I was told. Um, but, uh, okay, well, be safe as you go home, uh, whatever it is. Uh,